And we are finishing up our series on Advent. And as I said before, Advent is just a Latin word, Adventus, Adventus, which means coming or arrival. So during this time in historic Christianity, the four weeks in December are leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. So they call this the Advent season. And for the last thousand years or so, they have done traditional themes on Advent, which are hope, love, joy, and peace. And now we're doing love. It's the last, it's the last one the night before um, Jesus arrives. And Advent, I grew up in a, in, in a, a non-denominational church. We had very few traditions, almost no traditions at all. The non-tradition was a tradition. So I'm not until I came to Quake that I know what Advent was. I think it's a very powerful part of the international church because I feel like for the Christmas season, we don't spend enough time reflecting on who Jesus was and what he did and his arrival and then his looking forward to his second coming, right? Because we look back, and we look back 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, bringing life and light. God in the flesh came down into human history and lived among us, walked among us, died for us, and rose again. That's the looking back. And the looking forward part is Jesus going to come back again like I prayed. He's going to come back in power and in glory. And he'll take all those who believe in him to be with his kingdom forever. And on new, recreated, cleansed earth. That's who Jesus is and what he's, he's going to do. So that's kind of the, the, the theme of Advent. So we're at John 3.16. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. So we're talking about love this morning, right? Love has, in the English language, love has a ton of different uses. Ton of different words to understand and describe love. Right? If I love my wife because I have affection, I have desire for her, I can love pizza because it gives me pleasure, I can love my job because it gives me satisfaction. Right? It's it's kind of an emotional feeling that we have. It's something that we we something that, or that's something we enjoy. Bring satisfaction. But also love is action. Right? Love is not just an emotion. It's something you do. Right? My son today split his chin open right, and had to get four stitches. So my wife called me. I was, I was working, preparing for tonight. And she said, you need to come right now. So that's love. Like, okay, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and go to the hospital. I love my wife and I love my son. And just help be part of the process help him watch a movie while he's getting his stitches in. 
That's also love. It's something we do. Right? I think of my children. And children is very much, my children are very much an action-based love, right? When I saw them, I, there was tons of feelings and emotions. But I grew to love them more as I did, as I sacrificed, right? As I had many, many, many sleepless nights until even right now, right? And just doing stuff for them. I don't particularly, I'm not a person who wants to be on the ground and play with dinosaurs for hours on end. I do that because I love my kids, right? Because I want them to enjoy it. So love is action as well. So here's my big idea for the sermon. God's true love is both affection and action. God's true love is both affection and action. So my first point is that God loves us emotionally. Right? When God says he loves the world, now what he does not mean is he does not mean like the evil, the brokenness, the death and decay of the world system. Right? That's not what God's talking about. Right? Sometimes the world the world is mentioned in the Bible as the place of evil because in this world, if you've been around a while, there's much evil in this world. There is darkness, there's oppression that's happening. There is brokenness, right? There is grief. All those things are, are part of the world, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. He does not like those things. He is not part of those things. But God does love people. He loves you. He loves me. He is a good God who loves his people because he made us. Right? And God created everything. Right, so in seven days, God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in it. And he said at the, at the end, he created man and women. And he said, these people will be in my image. So we bear the mark of God in some way. We think of it, God is, we say that in churches that God is sovereign. Sovereign means in control, right? And being a part of his image, we have some sovereignty, right? We make choices. We are not like the animals driven by instinct. We can say no to things. We can say yes to things. We can plan ahead. So that's part of God's image. Um, we have choices that we make, right? God makes choices. He is fully in control of the choices that are made. And we, to some extent, not the same extent as God, we can also make choices. And creativity. God, all the beauty of a sunset and a sunrise and architecture and all the beauty we see in this world, God made that. And it's incredible. We, and we see it. And to some extent, we are creative. Right? You've heard this incredible band play great songs. I've seen people do, I've been to the Louvre, and you see incredible paintings and sculpture and just incredible beauty that we have made because we are made in the image of God. We are like Him. Because it says in Genesis 3, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So God loves people because we are like Him. Just like when I saw my, when I saw my children being born, they, they resemble me in some way. 
in some way, more luckily more like their mom than me. Um, but yeah, I can see myself in some of their personalities and some of their physical traits, and that, that endears me to them. Right? That that makes me love them and, and, and want to care and protect and provide for them. Well, in the same way, God, when he sees us, he sees his own image reflected back. Now, he loves us, but he's not, I want to be clear, he's not needy, right? It's like he's, God was so lonely, he didn't need, he needed us. That's not how God's love is. That's not how our love should be either, right? My kids don't sustain me. My children, I was not feeling a particularly, I, I did a huge desire for children before I had them. When I saw them, the love overflowed out of me. That's how God made us. Not because he needed us, but because he loves us. Because he wanted to create things. He wanted to, he's a creative God. The same reason, like, why do painters paint? Why do musicians make music? It's a great question, but something in them, something in God, wanted to create. And that's how God is. So my question for you in this first point is, or my thing I want to say is that God values you all of you, because he made you. And he made you like him. And I want to ask you, do you know that God loves you? Just as you are, right? You do not need to be perfect to come to God. We come to God in our mess, in our brokenness. Like a good father loves and cares for his kids and provides and protects us. How God sees you and me, sons and daughters. Now, I could end the sermon right there, but that would not be the whole truth right, of what's happening here at, from John 3.16. God does love us. He does feel emotions for us, but we as people have rejected God's love. We have said no to God's love. Our identity, like I said, we're made in God's image and we're to reflect that like a mirror back to God. He made everything great. He made everything beautiful. He said he called he called all things good when he made them. And he called us to work in the garden, to be fruitful and to multiply. And he made us he made us perfect like himself. Perfection. And this is what it says in Hosea to show this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. That was his plan from the beginning. You're gonna you're gonna fill the earth, you're gonna be fruitful, multiply, and you're gonna fill the you're gonna show the creation, all the world, the glory of God. Yet we rejected that. We said, No, I don't want to do it, so I want to do it my way. Right? I wanted to be like God. We wanted to be like God. We wanted to be independent from Him. If you go back to Genesis 3, that's exactly what happened. Right? God had one rule. Right? Don't eat the tree of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil. For when you do that, you will surely die. Right? He had a beautiful garden. All the animals. Husbands and husband and wife. Much to enjoy. But the one thing God said no to 
our first parents said, no, I'm not interested. And it says in Genesis 3, it says, In a tree with desire to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So we, we, broke, we broke God's one rule. And we got what we wanted. We got a life completely independent from God. We got to live how we wanted to. But how is that working out for us? Not so great. You see the world full of brokenness. It is a huge cost. Right? First of all, it costs us our relationship with God. Right? He hates disobedience. He loves you, but disobedience is not to be tolerated by the Lord because He is holy and He is perfect and He expects us to be perfect as His people. So we say no to God's love to his one rule. Just like as a parent, right? I try to get I try to be a green light dad that there's lots of things that are permissible, lots of things that are enjoyable, but I do have rules. And the rules, there's consequences for disobeying the rules. Right? Just the other day, my my one of my sons I said, you can watch 30 minutes of TV. I'm going to go to the gym and exercise. After 30 minutes, I set the kitchen timer. Once it goes off, you need to turn it off. So I go to the gym. I go for about an hour, come back. And he's still sitting there watching the TV and I walk through the door. Like, he didn't even notice me here. Come in the door. Watching TV like he's the guy in charge. Right, laying on his back on the on the couch. Well, there are some instantaneous consequences for him. And after those instantaneous consequences, there's also much verbal discussion about building and losing trust and what that takes. Well, in, in a smaller sense, that's an imperfect analogy, but there's consequences for breaking God's rules as well. Right? God's rules are 100% for our good, and we broke them anyway. And he said, the day you eat of this, you will surely die. And now we do die. There was before, before the fall of man, there was no such thing as death. Just imagine that, what that would be like. Just a world, the same world without death. Right? We, there'd be so much work to be accomplished and to be done. But we broke that. So, the, so God caused physical decay and death, and then a spiritual decay and death of infinite consequence and separation for God and forever in hell. <clears throat> Not only that, the relationship with one another, between man and woman, was cursed. It says, His desire, the husband's desire, shall, your desire for the wife shall be contrary to your husband but shall rule over you. Right? There's going to be conflict in relationship. And the ground was cursed. Right? So it will, it will bear thorns and thistles and by the sweat of your brow you will survive until you go back into dust. And then pain and childbirth which includes infertility and, and stillbirths and miscarriages. All that is encompassed in that. That is the, the cost of being independent from God. 
And all that you see in this world, the evil, the selfishness, the pain, the brokenness. Right? That's why it says, those who do not believe in the Son are condemned already. Right? By nature and choice, we reject God. And now we are just waiting for judgment because we've all broken God's rules. In a sense, whoever does not believe is already condemned. Think of a man who's been sentenced to the death penalty. Right? He's received the trial. He was found guilty in all counts. But now he's waiting for the day. That is how God made... That is the current situation of all of us who do not, do not know Jesus. We're just waiting for that day, our execution. And we die and we're separated from God forever. And it says, that in, the, in the following verse, it says that this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Right? We all do evil things. Right? So even though God loves us truly, we rejected him. We break even our own... So we think, oh, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. I've never done drugs or killed anybody. But think about my own rules. Right? How many rules of my own standards for myself that I make have I broken? Dozens. Hundreds. Right? Eat too many cookies, not working out enough, um, not being saying a, a mean word to my kids or to my wife. Even my own rules, I try to keep, I cannot keep them. So how much more do we break the rules of a perfect, holy God in every way? Right? It's like a canyon. Here's where God is. Here's where we are. We can jump. Some people might make it a little further than the others. But no one's getting this way, let alone this far. Right? We're all falling off the cliff. Like the prodigal son who said, I'd rather have my, I wish you were dead, I'd rather have my inheritance now. I'm going to squander it on selfish lifestyle and prostitutes and be poor. I'd rather live that life than love my dad. That's how we all are. And we can't get back to God if we wanted to because we sin every day. You sin every day. I sin every single day. I make mistakes. I do the wrong thing. I do the selfish thing. So even if I said, sorry right now, it's okay. There's all that sin I've already committed. Right? None of us can be perfect. So what do we do? God loves us, but we create this category of rejecting God's love. Well, that's where Jesus comes in. Right? Jesus' love takes dramatic action. Right? Christmas celebrates that action. Right? God in heaven and his son Jesus in heaven on streets paved with gold came down to a dirty, broken world born in a manger. That's not a cute nativity scene. That is where all the animals poop. Okay? That is a disgusting, dirty, disease-ridden place. It was not designed to show us something beautiful. It was something look, the, the, the king of heaven is in a manger with dirt and animals. So Jesus' love is more than a feeling. He comes down. He shows his love. 
His love compels this action. Right, like I said, when I, when I saw my kids, I loved them, but I loved them even more when I took action and spent time with them and loved them through sacrifice, through being with them. That's how my love really grew. My suffering for them even increased my love. So God gave his son to humanity. And when I say God's son, I want to be clear. Like, what that means is, is to be clear. It's not like God had sex with Mary, but through the power of the Holy Spirit. The son in, in this culture represents somebody who represents the authority and the power of the one who sent him. Right? If you are the son, you have the, the authority and the power when you come of age of your dad. So Jesus comes as the Son of God saying, I represent all the values and the, and the power and the presence of God the Father. That's what that means. So he comes. We reject, the Lord rejected God and we deserve his punishment. And we can't obey or change. Right? There's eternal debt of sin. But Jesus says this, that whoever believes in him should perish but have eternal life. Jesus saves us from judgment. Right? We disobey. He came as a baby. He was first suffering for him. But he didn't just stay a baby. He grew up. He lived a perfect life. A sinless life. No one in history can even claim that. Right? Jesus' mother was in the gospel, and if someone could say, hey, he wasn't perfect, she'd be the perfect one to say, no. But he, she admitted this as well. He lived a perfect life, and he became a sacrifice for us. Right? In the Old Testament, God had people sacrifice animals to show the seriousness and the consequence of sin. To demonstrate that. But animals, they have no will, right? They, they were not more barbaric people. They probably had those cheapest pets. But God wanted to show people sin is serious. Sin is not a joke, right? Sin is something we mess around with. And animals will be sacrificed. But animals have no will. But Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice, right? Like a lamb without blemish, right? It says in the Old Testament. Jesus was a perfect person because he never sinned. He's morally perfect. Right? He never committed a sin. He never did anything wrong. And he went to that cross willingly. Not just a guy in the wrong place, but wrong time, but willingly went to the cross because, you know what? I love these people so much. I'm going to take Chris's sins. I'm going to take my heart's sins on myself. And I will bear the punishment on the cross. So he suffered physically and spiritually for us. Because we committed treason against That's what it is. Sin is not just like a mistake. It's treason against God. We're saying, I don't want your way. I want my way. And just imagine the love of God doing that. I would never give my son for my enemies. I would much rather crush my enemies. 
But God is not like me. Thank, thank the Lord. If we were God, we'd be terrible gods. God says, you know, I'm going to give my one and only representative of my authority, the one I've spent eternity with in the past. I'm going to give him for me. That's how much God loves you. He took this incredible, dramatic, powerful, painful, suffering action for me. We deserve physical and spiritual hell. And he compressed all of that onto Jesus on the cross. That's what the cross is. He loved us to death. And we believe. And then we get eternal life out of that. God looks. Then when after that sacrifice, we believe. God sees me and he sees you. If you believe, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see Maddie. He sees Jesus. Perfect. In every way. So he looks at us with that perfection. And not just one time, but eternal. Right? The sins you will commit. The sins you have committed. The sins maybe you're committing right now. Right? All of them are wiped away. Because he said that he doesn't want them to perish, but to have eternal life. So we deserve to be separated from God, but instead he runs to us and gives us life. So here's my application. If you're not a Christian... I don't know everyone in this room. If you are not 100% sure where you're going to go when you die, turn to Jesus. Ask for his life. It's, the gift is completely free. All you have to do is say, yes, I believe that you lived a perfect life and died from the sins and rose again. Accept this gift. Submit to his rule in your life. It's a gift, but you have to receive it. If you don't take the gift, you don't have it. And for all the rest of us who are believers, reflect on this. Think, know that God loves you, no matter what you've done in your past, if you are a believer. Only his love can satisfy. Ponder as we enter into Christmas tomorrow. Spend some time think, thanking him, praying, writing, singing songs. Discuss with others a perfect Christmas gift. Yes, it was free, but it cost Jesus everything. That is the gospel. Don't think free means cheap. Free means it's an incredible cost. An incredible cost. We need it. It gives us life, meaning, purpose, and freedom. And we are loved by him forever because he is our father. So in conclusion, if the band wants to come up, God truly loves you and has affection and love for you. Like a father loves his children. A good father loves his children. Many of us have not had good fathers. Like a perfect father. We've rebelled though and broken God's rule and his heart. We go against God and choose our own way. But God's love overcomes our rebellion by sending his first and best son and representative of him. He sent his son to be clothed in flesh as a baby to be with us. To be with us and among us. Jesus grew up and chose to sacrifice himself so that we can be brought near to God. We need to accept this gift to believe it. And those who have accepted again are part of his family and the end of Advent is that we get to accept 
excitedly, expectedly wait for him to come again and wipe injustice off the planet and be with him forever in his eternal kingdom. Let's stand up. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your son. I thank you for the, the best and greatest Christmas gift. More than anything, you've given your son his life for you sacrificed his life for my life. And I pray that we would experience that and feel it, not just in our minds, but in, in our hearts, in our emotions, that you gave the greatest gift for us and that we would, we would accept that, we would appreciate that and value that. And Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who does not currently believe that you would speak to them right now. And they could pray, Jesus, I have sinned, I am a sinner, and only you can bring me to life. And I accept your sacrifice on the cross for my sins, and you rose again on the third day, and I want to be with you forever. And then you are saved. Thank God for the rest of us who are believers, that we would not forget tonight and tomorrow what this holiday is truly about. about you, it's about what you did, and we'd be grateful and humbled and overjoyed that we get to spend eternity with you forever when you come back, Lord. Bless these people, bless all who have come out tonight. We ask for this in your great name, King Jesus. Amen. We're going to do one final song and I'll give you the benediction.
I'm going to give you the benediction, which is it's just a blessing. Yeah. Um, but first, I wanted to. Somebody is leaving tonight, and it's Maddie. She is flying home back to South Africa tonight, and I just want to pray for her. If she has anything she wants to say, I know some of you are new, maybe not know her, but she's been part of our leadership team and been very involved, excellent worship leader, been part of our church for a while. And this is her last night in the country and her last service. So if um, those who know her well, if you can come up and lay hands on her, let's pray for her and send her off well. Maybe anything you want to say before we pray for you? No? Okay. Somebody wants to, yeah, come up here if you know her, want to pray for her. God, thank you so much for Maddie and just her, her faithful service to this church, her faithful friendship to many in this church. I just pray for her. It is so sad for all of us that she's leaving who, who've known her. But it's also a great opportunity for her as she goes forward. I pray that you bless her wherever you wherever you call her next. Back home for a little bit, maybe elsewhere abroad. But I pray that she would still cling to you and that we'd send her out closer to you than when she came. More in love with you. I pray that she'd be connected to a great church where she could grow and serve and love and be loved by people. God, thank you just so much for her and just what a blessing she's been to people. Please be with her. Please comfort her as she heads back tonight and let her reflect on just all the memories she's had made in this country. We love her and just bless her and let her, let her have great success at a new job. A job that would, would bless her and love her and provide for her and pay her um, well. God and just thank you for her and, and let her let her be blessed as she goes forward. We ask for us in your great name, King Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm gonna give you the blessing. You are there there are drinks and snacks. There's no need to run away. You're welcome to stay, enjoy, consume, talk with one another, meet some new people. So I'll give you the benediction now to wait long enough. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Go in peace, go in love. Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen.